Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com, or visit our Patreon page for over 30 more miscarriage stories, as well as exclusive content. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Thank you for tuning in. My guest today has had three miscarriages since February of this year, one at five and a half weeks, a missed miscarriage found at eight weeks, and another miscarriage at five weeks. And she is going to share her story with us today. Megan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I have had, unfortunately, three miscarriages since February. Um, It's been a long um, first year of marriage for my husband and I. Oh, no. Um, We, um, when we got married, we knew we wanted to have kids right away. And um, it was something we kind of agreed, agreed upon from the moment we met and decided we were going to get married. So we were excited to try. Um, We uh, have a lot of people in our lives that have either gotten pregnant super easy or have had a bit of a struggle. And so we kind of have seen both sides of it. And so when we got married in August, um, we really didn't know what to expect. And so in January, when we found out we were pregnant, we were really excited because it seemed like, you know, it was 50-50 on whether or not it was going to be a struggle or not. So we were very grateful and excited and we hadn't told anyone yet. And so um, I, the first miscarriage was diagnosed as a Um, I guess they call it a chemical pregnancy and um, I which is ironic because it's the only pregnancy out of my three that I felt terrible Um, oh interesting (laughs) yeah I uh, I treat it's funny saying this out loud now but when I first found out I was pregnant I um, I thought oh my gosh if this is what pregnancy is like I don't think I can do this again Um, because I felt so tired. My breasts were super tender. And I honestly, I felt, I, I don't know how to describe it other than I just felt like death all the time. And, um, the week after my husband and I found out, I actually had to go on a work trip. And the first thing someone said to me, um, and they had no idea I was pregnant. They're like, you look terrible. And of course I didn't want to say anything. Cause you're always told, you know, don't say anything till 12 weeks. And I hadn't gone to the doctor yet. Um, but I had made all of my appointments. And so um, on that trip, actually, was when I started to miscarry. Um, and really, that was, it was, it was like a, a very heavy period with a lot of cramping, not, I, I passed everything naturally. Um, but I, because no one knew I was pregnant, and I hadn't gone to the doctor to confirm anything, um, when I called the doctor, um, um, that Friday, 
Um, she didn't know what type of blood I had or blood type I was, and I didn't either. So um, the second I got off the plane, because um, ironically I was on my way to from my work trip to a baby shower, <laughs> I uh, went to the hospital and they checked my blood and um, they found out I was A negative. So I had to get the Rogam shot, um, which I had never heard of any of this before. I never really had thought of miscarriage. I didn't know that your blood type mattered when you miscarried, um, which I think is crazy that, you know, they encourage females to go get annual exams and checkups, you know, from a pretty young age, but they don't check some of the basics, I guess, that I would see as basics now. Um, and so I got my Rogam shot and I, um, checked myself out of the hospital because my husband um, was a couple hours away. I was just, I was kind of just on a layover and um, drove to the baby shower. So it was, that, that was my first miscarriage. Um, I would say it was pretty uneventful. Um, I don't really know if at the time I was processing things as I should, because I think I was just so shocked because um, no one really talks about it and you don't, I guess when it's so early, people just say, oh, well, at least it's early. Or And the doctors were kind of not, I don't even know how to describe it. They just, they didn't seem very present because it, to them, wasn't a real pregnancy. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, okay. And, and so um, the doctor, I, I remember when I went to have my ultrasound at the hospital, she was so worried that um, I would get any of the because, you know, they do a, a transvaginal or, uh, ultrasound to make sure that you're passing everything. And um, she was so worried that I would um, have, quite frankly, bleed somewhere near her and that she kept telling me not to move. Um, but I feel like in those high stress situations, you don't even really know what's going on. It's kind of an out of body experience. And so for her to be so cold. Um, wow, that's strange. Yeah, she I mean, she was really worried about not getting messy, I guess, um, more so than, um, I guess my care that that's really the only thing that I truly remember about the hospital was how she was just so, um, focused on, on me, um, keeping everything clean. And so, um, that was, you know, my first experience. And again, I think because I didn't, I wasn't at home, I wasn't with my husband. I was just I feel like I was kind of going through the motions a little bit. Um, just try, I'm a very, I'm one of those people that you just kind of fake it till you make it. And I think I was just kind of in shock. Um, and so long story short, I, um, when I got, finally got back to Austin, um, we scheduled an appointment with my OB and she did another ultrasound and um, she confirmed that everything had passed naturally. And, um, we scheduled a annual exam for a couple weeks later, just to kind of double check everything was, was okay. Um, and they did another ultrasound at that appointment. Um, luckily my cycle came back right away and the doctor said that, um, if I waited at least two cycles, I could try again. So we, um, decided to try right away and, um, got pregnant the very first try. Um, 
And so um, we were very excited. This time um, we were really in the throes of a, a house remodel. And so we saw my parents every single weekend. And so it was kind of hard to keep that secret from them. Um, and so we went ahead and told my parents. And um, obviously everyone was a little nervous because of what had happened just a couple of months before. But my HCG levels and my progesterone were looking good. They checked it, I think, about five times. And um, everything looked normal. Um, the, they did an ultrasound at five weeks. And they could see a sac and a fetus, but no fetal pull. Um, so like a couple of days later, they did um, another ultrasound. They saw fetal pull and we had a strong heartbeat. So the doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so the doctor said, you know, we have a viable pregnancy. Um, everything's looking good. And so um, I had, that was the second ultrasound that I had about six and a half weeks, I would say. And um, then she said, well, you can either come back for your eight week appointment or you can come back for your 12 week. Um, everything's looking good unless you feel um if, unless you used to have spotting or you start having a lot of cramping, like it's, it's kind of up to you. And so, um, I decided that I wanted to have the eight week appointment mostly just because I wanted a better picture. Um, because we had planned on telling my husband's dad, um, that we were expecting, um, when we had seen him, when we were, cause we were planning on seeing him during that eight week. And so, um, we went to the ultrasound thinking everything was going to be fine. I felt a little um, nauseous, nothing too crazy. Um, like I said, my first pregnancy, I felt the worst. Um, and, and with this preg the second pregnancy, other than tender breast I, and being extremely tired, I really didn't have any symptoms of morning sickness. And so I thought everything was going good. I still had um, tender breast and things of that nature. But um, we got to the ultrasound and you, and I'm not a doctor, but you could just tell by looking at the ultrasound that something wasn't right. And the longer it took for her to, to look for the heartbeat, um, our hearts just kind of sank. I think we both knew immediately. And, um, that time she, she was an amazing, um, ultrasound technician. She, I just asked her, like, you can't find a heartbeat, can you? And she paused and said no. And so, which I appreciated that she just answered the question. Um, because some of those waits in between getting your ultrasound and seeing a doctor can, you know, be 30 minutes, Ooh, an hour. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I, I really appreciated that. And she um, took a few more pictures of um, my uterus and, and said, that she would get us a, a room right away. So I got dressed and we went in the room and I, truthfully, I, I know that they, that the midwife went over the, um, the courses of action that we could take, you know, medical management, pass it naturally and DNC. But I don't, I don't remember anything she said. If I had to bet my life on what that midwife said that day, I, I could not because we, I just was in, complete shock um, because essentially four days before we had a strong heartbeat. And so um, 
we just kind of sat there at the time because I wasn't in a place to make a decision. We um, decided to try to pass it naturally. Um, since the first time I passed it um, fairly easily and I had no complications, um, my doctor agreed to, to try to, um, to see if my body would pass it. But again, I was having no signs of miscarriage, no spotting, no cramping, nothing. And so they said that the baby probably had died um, that day or the day after my last, the ultrasound, the second ultrasound that I had gotten. So it had already been going on four days. Um, um, and so we found out on a Tuesday that the baby had died. Um, and then that weekend, part of the reason I didn't want to have surgery was because I was hosting a baby shower because I've quickly found during this process I'm cursed with um, celebrating babies during miscarriages, but that's just part of life. <laughs> so ironic. <laughs> yeah. I, um, the first one I went to baby shower, the second one I hosted a baby shower. And obviously I'm so happy for those moms that, I mean, those babies are precious, but um, it's just kind of ironic. So we went and I hosted the baby shower, but still, um, no signs of miscarrying naturally. And I'm kind of one of those people, I just want to get some, I, I want to knock things off my list. And I was trying to be patient because I, I really wanted to pass it naturally. But by the following Tuesday, um, I still had no signs and I still felt very pregnant. Um, I think when they um, tested my HCG on that Tuesday, it was still I think around 36,000 and so still really high and um, which would, would be expected, I guess, for that, um, that week of pregnancy. But um, the doctor said that it could take up to another week or two. And mentally I was starting to kind of break down um, during this whole time. I was still going to work and, you know, kind of doing my daily, my daily tasks, but, I just wasn't very present and I wanted it to kind of be over. And so I decided to um, medically induce the miscarriage, which I think I've only heard maybe one other one or two other people on your podcast mention doing that. And I would say that um, that is not for the faint of heart. It was probably one of the worst experiences I've ever had. Um, Tell us about it. The uh, midwife gave us or gave me 12 pills that I was supposed to take every um, four hours, so six doses. And um, she said I could take them, or yeah, two pills, yeah. And so she um, said I could take them vaginally or I could take them orally, but if I were going to take them orally, I had to um, let them kind of dissolve underneath my tongue. And so, um, I just, for whatever reason, I couldn't imagine once it, the process started to continue doing it vaginally. So my husband actually felt, um, felt bad for me having to like wait for it to dissolve in my mouth. So he kind of crushed them up. And although there was nothing funny about the situation, if you looked at our kitchen that day, it looked like we were selling coke or something because oh, no. we had all these little pieces of paper with crushed up white pills and um 
So although it was a horrible experience, we kind of had to smile because it just looked so ridiculous in our kitchen. But um, she had told me to start taking the pills at bedtime and that um, I would start with one dose and then wake up every four hours and take another dose. But that she recommended taking them over the course of the night because I should, unless like other than waking up for a few minutes, I should be able to get a pretty good night's sleep. Um, and that it usually takes three or so doses for the miscarriage to begin. But I didn't make it through my first four hours before um, I started having um, a lot of cramping and um, bleeding. Um, I think I took the pills probably around nine. And I would say by midnight, I was already, it was full on, um, the miscarriage was starting. Um, it felt similar to the first, just a lot of cramping and bleeding. But um, one thing I think they don't tell you is that you are essentially going for the next day, be giving yourself medicine to make you feel even worse. And so even though you're going through all of the emotional turmoil and and just natural pain that a miscarriage brings, you're also giving yourself medicine that's going to make it worse. Um, and so that was hard mentally to continue taking the medicine, even though, you know, you have, you have to. Um, so, and, and I would say that although this sounds like a silly tip, and I don't even know if that's the right word to use, um, it, it's something that I wasn't told was all of the stomach issues that you would have. Um, I threw up a lot and I had a lot of, um, I, I couldn't leave the bathroom. Um, it, it felt like I had the flu. Um, and, um, and so I would make sure that you have tons of toilet paper and supplies ready. Cause we did not, because we didn't think that I didn't know what to expect. And so I had to make my husband at like 3.30 in the morning go to uh, Walgreens to get toilet paper. Um, so I would say just make sure you have all your supplies ready because it's going to be a long 24 hours um, of not, not only just passing the miscarriage and a lot of bleeding because I feel like the midwives or the doctors always tell you, you know, you're going to have a lot of bleeding. They focus on the bleeding through a pad every two hours, but they don't tell you about all the throwing up and the other things that may occur. Not always, but may. And so I thought um, that was very shocking. Um, but Just I started, adds so much more stress to your yes. system. Yeah, because you're... Oh and, my gosh. And, and it's very scary because you just think, I was only supposed to be cramping and bleeding and the next right. thing you know, you are throwing up all night. And, you know, it's just... Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so... Um, that the the horrible cramping and uh, I've never been in labor. Um, I've never had a baby, but um, I've been told that's a lot of what it feels like. Um, it's very similar. Um, and so I will tell you that I always thought I was going to be one of those moms that didn't have any drugs. And I have been cured of that. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I will definitely be getting up an epidural um, that um, when I hopefully get um, to that stage. But I, yeah, it totally cured me of any desire to have baby naturally. Um, and, but anyways, so um, 
I had been passing a lot of clots and the midwife had told us um, in our consultation that there wouldn't be anything really to see. It would just look like a lot of clotting and, and things of that nature. Um, and so that happened on um, that Tuesday and Wednesday. And so I felt like I had completed the miscarriage. Um, I did feel like the only way I can describe it is a lot of heaviness in kind of down in my u- uterus area, um, in my, um, in my pelvic region, I felt very heavy. I didn't know if that just was from the trauma of taking the pills and all the contractions, but, um, I, when I called the doctor, she said that, oh, if you've had this, if you've had all these clots, you, you probably have, um, have completed the miscarriage. We'll see you in a week. Um, let us know if, again, the bleeding, um, it, um, gets out of control, but otherwise you should be fine. So I just kind of went on with my week. Um, I took that week off. Thankfully my work, um, was very understanding and, Um, I had the time off, so I, I just took the remaining of the week off, but again, I still kind of felt this heaviness and I didn't know how to explain it. And the midwife just kind of blew me off, to be honest. Um, she wasn't super helpful. And I think maybe just cause no one really knows how to address miscarriage. I think we, I think as, um, as women or, or physicians, we're so used to the, you're having a baby and then you have a baby figuring out those types of feelings. Um, but when you have a miscarriage, I feel like there's not a lot of information or maybe providers hopefully have never gone through this, but since they can't really relate to it, there's not a lot of information. And so, um, um, that Thursday and Friday, I felt pretty good. Um, I still had light bleeding, but that Saturday I started having tons of cramping and, um, we, uh, again, we're remodeling our house and we had a ton of people, um, working and, um, we, our house was so destroyed. Like you had to have someone stand outside the bathroom so that, cause we didn't have like door, door handles on. It was total construction. Oh zone. My, and gosh. my, um, my mom and I were, um, had stopped by the house to just kind of check out the progress and, and things and see how things were going and say hi to my dad and my husband and, I got this huge cramp and I was like, Oh, I got to go to the bathroom. So my husband went and, um, stood next to the door. So none of the, um, none of the construction workers would come in. And, um, it was really awkward because, um, it's my dad's company. So everyone knows me. And, um, and so hiding your, like when it's a stranger, you can kind of hide your emotions or kind of let your emotions go. But I felt like, oh, all these people know me. I don't want all of my business out, you know. And um, while I was in the bathroom, I passed the fetus. And I just remember standing there thinking, she told me nothing. It won't look like anything. And I just kept, it kept going through my mind, the conversation we had when she um, prescribed the medication. I just kept thinking, she said it wasn't going to look like anything. What do I do now? And But because I was in this, environment where I didn't have anything to, you know, collect or whatever. I just had to make a split decision, which I feel very guilty about. But at the time, I think was the right decision um, to dispose of, you know, the fetus at that time. Um, But I still kept having these horrible cramps. 
And I believe what happened next was me passing the um, sack, mm-hmm. um, which was, um, again, very large and intact. I mean, other than as, as intact as it could be, um, which was nothing of what she told me would happen. And again, I know it, it happens differently for everyone and there's no hard answer on, on what is going to happen. But I just remember standing there thinking like, how is this happening right now? I, I thought I had passed this three days ago and, um, but I definitely had not. Um, and so that was, that was really hard. Um, and so I just kind of gathered my thoughts and went on with my day. And I will say, I, I feel very guilty because um, that day I passed everything. It was probably about 12 days since I had found out that I had miscarried. And I felt this huge relief almost, like leave my body. I don't know if it's just because what needed to come out of my body finally did. Um, so I don't know if just maybe my body felt better. Um, but I had the, uh, this initial huge sigh of relief. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, because I felt like maybe, maybe it was just cause it was over for that portion. Um, I but, think there's a physical, when you have that final physical release, it definitely, it, yes. it's definitely, you can feel it. Yeah. You know, something feels hard. different. Mm-hmm. And it, in which then brings on a whole host of other guilt because obviously you want that baby so bad, but it wasn't meant to be, so you have to kind of let it go. Um, and I will say that the, the second miscarriage, I had a lot of depression. Um, I, you know, it, it was, it came maybe about a week after um, I finally miscarried. I think it kind of set in. Uh, my life kind of calmed down a little bit and I just, with work and moving and, and, and all of that. And I think I, it finally kind of set in to where, um, you, you, you don't really know what to do. And I've heard this time and time again on your podcast, it's just miscarriage is, is so lonely and it's devastatingly lonely. Um, I think one of the things I've really learned is through my process of grief and things of that nature is that, um, we, I feel like as people are our most insensitive when, when we're in our most joyful times. And I really reflected on how I've handled situations or, or um, have dealt with people and um, in times where I've been very excited about what's going on and, and been so neglectful to other people's feelings. And, and I think that's something that is a good takeaway from my husband and I's experience with, um, with miscarriage. Cause I, I think it has hopefully changed me for the better and, um, made me reflect on just wanting to treat people better. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it was a very hard summer and, um, and so we, we weren't trying. I had not gotten my cycle back. Um, and we, I thought we're being careful, but I guess God had other plans. And 
I kept feeling like I was having some of those same pregnancy some symptoms back. And I went back to the, I called the doctor and she essentially told me I was crazy and that there would be no way I was pregnant. And so, um, I, I just kind of took a step back and thought, okay, maybe I am, maybe this is just hormones. And, you know, I, 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 I don't know. So I'll, she's the doctor. She knows better. So I, um, I decided to just call back and I said, look, I, I still have a, a, a positive pregnancy test. They're getting darker. Um, I've taken digital, the line, any kind of pregnancy test you want me to take, I've taken. And can you please just do an H, can we do an HCG jaw? Um, so it came back and it was pretty low. And so she still said, you know, you're, you are um, probably just at the final stages um, of having HCG in your body, but we'll keep taking them. Um, and so the second blood draw went up. It was starting to double. And she still kept saying, like, I think you're not pregnant. Um, I would um, just live your life. Like, it was around 4th of July. She was like, just go do, you know, there's no restrictions. You're, you go back and do whatever you're your plans are, um, you're not pregnant, which I felt was weird to say that you're not definitely not pregnant when my HCG levels had doubled. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so after the holiday, they, um, did another draw and it had, um, gone up again. And so she, um, said, okay, you're pregnant. And they did an ultrasound, but they only could see thickening of my uterus. They could not see any sac at that point, but it probably was only maybe four and a half weeks or so um, because I never got a cycle. We didn't have really any way of tracking it. Um, And so they did a couple more ultrasounds and um, my, but, but they only could see thickening and you could tell that they, that this physician just kind of thought from the beginning that I would miscarry. Um, They weren't very proactive and I had to beg um, for any type of testing or ultrasounds. And she kept saying, well, we're just that you're just a whiff of pregnancy. I remember her telling telling me, like, this is just a whiff of pregnancy, Um, which I thought was such a weird phrase. Agreed. To use. And so I said um, and so. We. um, oh, so she, she kept asking me, do you have any shoulder pain? Do you have any, um, pain anywhere? And I, I really didn't. Um, I had a little bit of shoulder pain, which happens just naturally when I'm stressed. And I kept asking her, why are you, you know, why are you asking me that? Why are you asking me about my shoulder? But she wouldn't really explain that that is a sign of ectopic pregnancy. Right. Um, and so, um, I went to Google as, you know, I think most people do during these, um, processes. And, um, one thing I found was odd was, although there's a lot of information about how an ectopic pregnancy can cause shoulder pain, it doesn't ever really say where the shoulder pain is. Um, and so I kept asking her where exactly on your shoulder, like, is it the tip or is it kind of back in the shoulder blade? Like, where is the pain supposed to be because I, I do naturally have, um, um, tight, like shoulder area, like, um, knots when I'm stressed out. And obviously I'm stressed out, but 
like, where is that? And I could never get a, an answer. And she um, just was like, you know, call me back if you have any spotting. And so um, I could just kind of tell from the beginning, they did not think this was a viable pregnancy. I don't know what caused um, them to think that, but I just knew that like in my gut, something was wrong. Um, and so a couple days later I started spotting and I called and, um, they did another ultrasound and still could not see a sack and just, they told me to go home and rest. And, and so I did. And then we went about four days later, um, because I had had a little bit more spotting and the doctor was like, I can't see anything. You just need to go home and wait. Which, I, I mean, if you can't see anything, you can't see anything. But um, I, so I did. And that week, that next day, um, my miscarriage began. Um, my, my HCG the whole time was rising. It went from about doubling to only going to be about like 1.5% higher. Um, which she said is, could also be normal. Um, and my progesterone looked normal, um, but there just nothing ever formed. Um, and they did another ultrasound a couple weeks later and there was no sign of ectopic, nothing. It just, I guess was a chemical pregnancy, um, um, for the third time. Um, and so now, um, one thing I've learned and one thing I think I think some women just naturally, or at least I naturally trust doctors. I think, you know, you went, you went to school for this. I've had such a good experience with you in the past, but I think if you have that gut feeling of they're not paying attention to me or um, I'm not getting the care that I need, I think you should not feel guilty about that and change your, change your physician. Definitely. I'm not not blaming them for my miscarriage. I, it probably was inevitable. But I think being told is um, that the preg- you were it was just a whiff of a pregnancy is very insensitive and um, and heartbreaking when you already are are so stressed out. Um, and so my husband, um, coinc- he was he was on a work trip and coincidentally was writing um, writing with someone who um, he and his wife had also had um, a history of miscarriage. And he, he um, led us to a doctor who on the first day um, of meeting me, I thought we were just having like a meet and greet, like, you know, this is my history. What is, what is your history with infertility and miscarriage and things of that nature? And um, he said, well, you want to get pregnant, right? And I was like, yes. And he said, well, let's, we're going to do blood work today. And it was the first time in however many months that a doctor just looked at me and said, this is a plan that we're, I have a plan and we're going to figure this out. It wasn't just a, we're just going to see how it goes. And so um, I think, you know, I can't change the past, but if people, if, if, if you do not feel comfortable with your doctor, you need to change now because who knows how many babies might not necessarily be saved, but you might have a different outcome if you have a more attentive physician. 
even just to feel supported going yes, through it, such an awful time. Exactly. Cause yeah. I don't think, um, I don't think, you know, we should, you should have to beg for care. Um, and so it is, it's, it's been a hard journey. Um, and you know, all those tests, getting all the tests and, um, is scary. And, you know, you wait on pins and needles. We actually found out just about four hours before this podcast that all of our tests, our blood tests came back positive or normal, which is good, but also hard because you want there to be a reason that this is happening. Yeah. You want an answer of some sort. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it, it's hard because you obviously don't want anything to be wrong with you. I don't want an autoimmune disease or a blood clotting disorder, but it's just, it, I don't know. It, it, it's hard when you can't make sense of what's going on and you have no control over it. Um, but one of the things I thought was interesting that my new doctor is doing is on Monday, we are going for a different type of ultrasound where I guess it's called a saline ultrasound. Yeah. And, um, to see if the shape of my uterus is, if there's something wrong there or, um, just, you know, different testings of things that I never even knew existed. And I've only seen this person once, you know, and I just, um, I think there are a lot of things we can, we can test and look at, um, to feel not as hopeless, I guess. So maybe it make you feel a little bit more proactive about a situation you can't control. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Headed in the right direction. Yes, for sure. At least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that I never, a situation I never thought I would be in. Um, But I think, although it, you know, people always joke that um, your first year of marriage is, is the hardest, but I think for us, it's been, it's been hard, but it's been, good and a growing, really growing experience. You know, you learn a lot um, during, during these times about each other. You learn a lot about your friends. Um, It's been interesting to see how people in your, in our lives have dealt with it um, or, or supported us. Um, Some of the people that obviously are your good friends, but you wouldn't necessarily think would thrive in supporting you in this area. Um, surprise you and that is awesome to see and you get the whole communication thing with your spouse figured out yeah <laughs> real yes, quick we, yes we had a crash course in that <laughs> yes. yes well thank you so much for sharing your of journey course. thus far and <clears throat> i know you're still in it yes we're sending I am. You lots of love and good thoughts thank you Interested in hearing more miscarriage stories? We have over 30 more episodes on Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Stay connected. Find us on Instagram at managing.miscarriage. On Facebook, at Miscarriage Nonprofit, and don't forget to download our free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating so more women can find us. 
Also, listen to exclusive episodes directly on the Patreon app.